0: Good morning, my name is Pastor Derek, if you don't know who I am, I want to welcome you to Connect. I'm actually a little nervous, the first service of the new year. Happy New Year, everybody. Everybody doing good? Can we welcome all our online and cable viewers as well? We just thank you for being here with us this morning, starting off the year right. Congrats. Everybody have a good New Year's? Yeah? Everybody be good? You know, I don't know, (laughs) a few people, confession after service, you know. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, in the past, I don't do so much now because I'm older and I, I fall asleep too soon, but I was up at uh, midnight this year in bed, um, had been there an hour. And, uh, you know, I like watching the ball drop in Times Square, you know what I'm saying? And it just reminds me of all the balls I dropped last year, <laughs> you know, and, and all the things that I didn't do. But um, people are funny in, in New Year's, people have, you know, resolutions they make, different. Anybody, New Year's resolutions? People, you know, no, only just don't even try. Just don't try. This service is going to be tough. It's going to be a tough one. I'm going to have to break through this. But a lot of times with the New Year's resolutions, uh, how many want to make some dietary changes? Anybody? Dietary changes? Yeah, eating habits. Yeah. Uh, One girl said she she was going to, you know, change her eating habits by uh, dating somebody that took her to places other than McDonald's. So that was one of her. But then you got, you got people on the other side that are like, what's the point? You know what I mean? You go ahead. You, if you eat, if you eat you know, well and you eat healthy, uh, you may live longer, uh, uh, you know, um, but you'll be miserable while you're doing it. You know what I mean? A, a lot longer. And so sometimes people don't want to do that because of that. But as we start the new year, um, I want to begin by, by just saying that uh, if you make a decision to put God in the first position of your life. You, you make him a priority in, in, in year 2018. It will be your best year. If, it, if, if last year you're so glad it's over, uh, praise the Lord, but you can start this year right. You have this opportunity, this fresh new beginning to start this year right. And it's just like we were saying in uh, Christmas Eve service, if, if you can just have Jesus on the scene or you can have him at the center. But if you put them at the center, if you put them in the first position of life, I guarantee you it would be the best year of your life. And so that's kind of what I want to do. I want to set the course of Connect uh, here in the first service of the year. And In fact, um, kind of our series we're going to kick off right away is called The Kingdom. And we're going to be talking about uh, the kingdom of God. How many excited about the new series, getting ready to dig into it? And, and uh, this particular series will be about like our role as children of, children of the kingdom, some of the rights and privileges we have, and in the coming weeks we'll talk about different keys to the kingdom, living here, establishing the kingdom of God. But today uh, we're going to talk about how to regain uh, our dominion, how to get back what we lost. You might not even understand what that is means, but we'll unpack that as we go forward. And uh, if you're taking notes, you can get your worship guides out, and and you can write a couple of things down. Here's our big idea as we go forward. The first thing, and this this came to me in prayer, so this wasn't just something I stole from somebody else. This was something that the Holy Spirit revealed to me, but, and we'll get more into this, but as children of the kingdom of God, in other words, when we're all created by God, we have to all choose to be His child. He's given us free will. He's creator for everything and everyone, but we have to choose to be a part of his family. Once we choose to be a part of his family, we become children of another kingdom. We become children of the kingdom of God, and our responsibility as a result of that is to establish that kingdom on earth so that everybody can be in the family of God. God wants everybody to be a part of the kingdom of God. Is is everybody getting, getting this? Okay. So, as children of the kingdom of God, we're not called to take it easy. We're called to do what? Come on, say it like you're strong. We're called to take dominion. My father would say, it like, take dominion. Okay? And, but there's this tendency, this predisposition, this kind of default sometimes to, to just take it easy. Take it easy, man. Take it easy. Take it easy. Everybody, take it easy. What are, you, what are you worried about? Take it easy. I'm just trying to get you guys loosened up a little bit. But because, because there's points that I'm going to make now and in the coming weeks that are not for the faint of heart. They're not for the half-heart. This is kind of a challenge series. This is kind of a poke series. Poke your neighbor if, if they're not paying attention, okay? Just the Pillsbury Dough poke, okay? Hopefully by the end of the fast, that'll be different. But anyway... Um, but personally, I don't know about you, but I need to be challenged, provoked, poked a little bit because there's something inside me, this, there's a part of me that's at war with another part of me that wants to take it easy, wants to just relax, wants to be comfortable. And, and comfort in small doses, that's okay. But there's a tendency to have large doses of comfort in our life. And it can cause us to take it easy instead of do what we're called to do, which is to take dominion. So man, as I look around, mankind, as I, as I look around, as you look around, man, first of all, from God's view to us, we were supposed to dominate, not be dominated. That's what dominion is talking about. It's like we were supposed to rule. We were supposed to reign. But sometimes what happens is we find ourselves at different times, some, or sometimes even all the time, we surrender that right, we surrender that privilege, we surrender that responsibility, but we were always called to rule. In fact, way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, it says, Hey, how did I do that? Go, go ahead. There we go. It says, Genesis one twenty six. it says, God said, let's make mankind in our image. Notice that word, our, because it's talking about the plurality of God, the, the trinity of God. It's all the way back there in Genesis, the trinity. In our likeness so that they may, by the way, in our, this trinity part shows up later on in this message when we talk about the triune three parts of man. So God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Man is body, a soul, and spirit. You see the connection? Yes? No? Okay. So, in our likeness so that they may rule over, you can basically say everything, the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the uh, uh, livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground, Genesis one twenty-six. Then we have another one in Psalms. I could have done a bunch of these. God says, you have made him this is man, to have dominion. Everybody say dominion like you mean it. Dominion over the works of your hands. You have, you have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the, the paths of the sea. So God has called us to have dominion. And when I look around again, you look at the news, you listen to the radio, uh, you get on Facebook, you just look at your family sometimes, your, sometimes your marriage, your finances, your children, all these different things. You don't see that we're, we're on top of the world, overcoming in the world. Sometimes we see people being overcome by those things. But that's not, that's not God's plan for us. God's plan for us was to have dominion. But where or how do we lose it is what we're going to talk about now and in the coming weeks so that we can get it back. How many want to get it back? All right, turn your neighbor and say, I want to get it back. Okay, so when, when man lost it originally was in, in the garden in, in Genesis chapter 3. It's called the fall of man. It's just very classic doctrine for you to know. Uh, Everybody needs to know a little bit about this. This isn't in your notes, but in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, basically that's where we lost it. Man, this is I think in your notes, it basically talks about how do we lose our dominion. Adam and Eve lost their dominion because of their appetite. Okay, Because because of their appetite or because they took a bite of something, because of their appetite, they lost their dominion. Is everybody tracking out there? Okay? And and so how many know that you can kind of lose control self-control over eating something? I don't know about you, I can. You know, it's pretty easy to do. It's amazing how your appetite can do you in. I know a pastor who was trying to get his eating under control and his wife is so good at those kind of things and 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 so he's like, "Honey, how do you stay so skinny?" And she said, "Well, I just follow a real simple like kind of it's like a King James diet program." She says in the morning I eat like a king. I eat like a king, whatever I want. He's like, really? He said, and what do you do at lunch? Because at lunch, I eat like a princess. She, she says, but at night, I eat like a pauper. And so I just I don't eat very much. And that's how I stay skinny. So so uh, anyway, a friend asked the pastor, are you going to do that? And he said, yeah, I'm going to do that. Friend circled back about a week later, said, how's that program your wife's doing, that King James diet program, how's that working for you? He says, it's, it's, it was going okay for a while. He says, but every every evening, I hear this voice inside my head saying, long live the king. <laughs> Does anybody know how he feels? Right? Because it's about 11 p.m., and I want Entenmann's Danish, everybody. It's still there, and it's calling me. And it's amazing how that appetite literally can speak words to you. Like it has, it has a voice. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. And so this problem is, is old, it's 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 in us but it goes way way back. You can see it in your life, you see it in Adam and Eve, you see it in people like Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. That apparently it was a really good bowl of beans. I don't I mean, had to have some, I don't know, Cajun spice or something like that. I don't know what was going on. But the good news is Jesus what he did for us, which may not come through uh, absolutely clearly today and we'll talk about it some more, but Jesus restored our ability to have dominion. So what was lost in the garden was regained at Gethsemane in a sense. He went back and won the battle over our will our, our body, our flesh, and let the spirit man rule. And he followed God's plan for and purpose for uh, humanity. And so Jesus regained our dominion, but we can re- we can relinquish it. We can give it up again. We can surrender it again in our lives as Christ followers. And so I want to give you a story because sometimes we're not seeing the results, the victory in Jesus that he has for us, and, and God wants us to have um, uh, not this to be uncommon, but common for us to have dominion over our world. And when I say dominion over our world, in the Old Testament it's referring to like animals and, and, and nature and things like that. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your family life. I'm talking about your relationships. I'm talking about the, your, the, your work, the work that you do. The, you may not go out and sow seed, but you're going out and, and pouring into the world to reap a harvest. Whatever that is, God wants you to have dominion. Can I have an Amen. So in your notes, look at this. Matthew chapter 17, there's a, a story of a boy uh, who had uh, seizures. And here's what happened. It says, when, when they, it's the Jesus and the disciples, came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Time out. So, so at this point in time... Uh, whatever the disciples had done, uh, they did with the authority that Jesus had given them, and everything was happening. they prayed pray for people in Jesus' name, the disciples, and they'd get the results right away. But this time, they didn't. This time, it was different. And so this guy goes with this, this unique case, he goes to, to, G, he goes to uh, the disciples and they couldn't heal the boy and now they come to Jesus and, and this is what Jesus said. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Can we read that all together, the yellow? Come on, let's all, all in one voice. You unbelieving and perverse generation. So there's two key words that I want you to see there. Unbelieving and perverse, we'll come back to that. And then Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? you, bring the boy here to me, and Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that very moment, so Jesus is basically, first of all, let me say it like this, have you ever come to a place in your life where um, you, you find this, something's missing, you, you can't break through, you, you, you hit a wall, um, you're not having, what I'm trying to talk about a lot is, you're not seeing dominion, you're seeing yourself be dominated, does anybody know what I'm talking about? So this story is, is, is representative or illustrates that problem. The disciples were going along seemingly just fine, but they hit a wall. What gets us through, what breaks us through those barriers or those walls? Jesus speaks to the disciples, and I would say he's speaking to us as disciples and saying, hey, there's two obstacles or two problems you're facing. You're unbelieving, and there's perversity in your life. So I'm going to unpack those two words, these two problems, and they're, and they're, they're pretty easy to understand, uh, and I'll make them as simple as I possibly can. So perverse basically means you're too connected to the world. Write that down if you're taking notes. Perverse means you're too connected to the world, all right? This is where I, 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 I personally say this. I don't think we realize how connected to the world we really are. Come on, somebody. I need some talk back people here today. I don't think we realize how plugged in to the world we really are. I think it's creating problems in our life. And Jesus is saying, oh, you couldn't get this done? Oh, you couldn't get through this? Oh, you're being dominated instead of having dominion? It has something to do with this. How much that connection keeps us from breaking through, keeps us from the solutions, from the success we're looking for. Jesus tells his disciples it's because you're unbelieving and because you're perverse. You're too connected to the world. And so here's the second word. Look at this unbelieving. This is you're too disconnected from God. Too disconnected from God. You've lost faith. You had more faith at one time. You're unbelieving. You, you, you have doubt. Uh, your confidence in God is diminished or it's diluted. Come on, you know that happens in your life, Christ followers. You know there was one time you like, I can run through a troop. You know, I can leap over a wall, hallelujah, but other times I can't even get an inch off the ground. You don't, you don't. believe that you can take a leap of faith. You're scared to just take a step of faith, and it's because you've disconnected from God. You've begun to doubt. You're doubting. Jesus, I think, would say to us by the Spirit, "You're doubting me. You're doubting my thoughts. You're doubting my way. Is that God really speaking to me, or is that? I don't know if that, I don't know if He's talking to me. Yeah, it's because you're too con- two problems. You're too connected to the world, and you're too disconnected from God. And so before you know it, these two things are keeping you from dominion over your circumstances, over your world. And so if you will improve the connection to God, and if you will disconnect from the world, your faith will rise. Your, Your results will begin to change in your life. Your problem is essentially you're not connected and you're too connected. This is good preaching, I should, you know, whether you like it or not, this is helping people, okay? So, so I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to intentionally not tell you, um, you know, the things that you need to disconnect from. Because I think you know. And I also think that's the Holy Spirit's job anyway. My, I, I was raised in the church. I was raised in in faith. And I was exposed to a lot of religion too. And I'm not saying it was here. I'm just saying in general. And what happens is a lot of times people in my office or responsibility tell you, you should, didn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And why are you doing this? And there's just judgment. And, and So I'm not going to do a lot of that. I might do a little. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the point is you know. But this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit, where am I? too connected to the world right you might want to write that down on the margin where am i too connected to the world where in my life have i uh, allowed myself to begin to do some things think some things see some things listen to some things in other words the question could be is there a place where i am not connected enough that would be the one side and then ask him that and then listen The Holy Spirit's job description is to bring conviction. The enemy brings condemnation. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. But but listen, listen, listen. But when you experience the conviction and you don't do anything about it, it becomes condemnation. Conviction unattended becomes condemnation. So don't misinterpret. If you finally come to a place of condemnation, it's because you ignored, you turned the volume down, you gave the Heisman to the Holy Spirit. But if you listen to him, ask, listen, and then do, your life will change. 2018 will be the best year of your life because of that. Listen, he speaks to me um, all the time. Sometimes I'm hearing him. Sometimes I'm not. I think, I think it's like radio waves going through the air. He's always speaking. The Holy Spirit's always speaking. Sometimes I think he's saying, if I would tune in, I think he's saying, Derek, I miss you. I, I miss our time. I miss our time. You know, he's, he's a person, by the way. So I think he could say that. So I think sometimes he's saying, "Do you really want to do that? Is that a wise decision? Do you want to? Do you really want to watch that right now? Right before you go to bed? You want that in your thought life before you go to bed? Do you really? If we would just listen to him, if you would, if and then if you're having a hard time, you just ask him." to speak to you, he will speak to you because he wants to. The Holy Spirit wants to communicate with you. So Jesus gives us the solution uh, to this. So those are the problems. Now we're going to talk about the solution. Everybody say, that's the problem. So it's unbelieving and perverse, those two words, basically unbelieving is basically saying we're disconnected from God, perverse, we're too connected to the world. Now Jesus gives us the solution, and this comes in, uh, in a follow-up scripture in Matthew 17, 19. He's, so he says the disciples come to Jesus privately. <laughs> Why do they come to him privately? Because they're embarrassed. They're like, wait a second, we were wham, bam, shazam. You know, we were getting results left and right. We go pray this time, and nothing. And so, can we, can we talk to you for a second, Jesus? Jesus, 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 come over here for a second. What was that? What, what happened? They're embarrassed, okay? So they come to him privately and they say, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, by the way, mountain represents for us Any big problem in your life, any big obstacle in your life, you can say to any big problem in your life, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then he adds this little segment, this final verse, verse 21, which is the solution, two solutions to the two problems, verse 21. However, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and fasting. So there. here's how he gets this in. So Jesus names two things that are problem. He names two things that are solution. Write this down. Prayer connects us to God. Fa- okay, we went right to that. Prayer disconnects us from God, and then fasting fasting disconnects us from the world. Prayer connects us to God, and fasting disconnects us from the world. They just reverse the order. That's okay. Does everybody get that? So the two solutions to the two problems, the two words, unbelieving, perverse, and the two, that's the problem, the two solutions are prayer and fasting. So prayer connects you to God. Prayer gets us back into that intimacy. It, it gets us back into that relational confidence. It deals with the unbelief that we have in our life. The more time you spend with something or someone, the greater confidence you have in something or someone. All right? Why? Why is that? Because the, the more confidence you have in, the more time you put in those things, you, you, your confidence rises. See, sometimes I think we think um, if we do certain things enough, quantify, God is watching like a little clicker. And he's like, oh, when you get to here, ding, then I'm going to bless you. It's not about putting more time in for God. It's putting more time in for you to gain confidence in God, to work through you. See, you're aligning yourself with the possibilities and miraculous and supernatural nature of God because over time, you are changing your nature, your attitude, your mindset, your beliefs. The time is not something you're trying to gain from God. The time is something you need to gain and grow in you. Ooh, this is good. Praise the Lord. I'm having a good time up here by myself. I don't care if anybody likes it. because See, you're the one that's limiting God. God's unlimited in his power. We can can put a governor on the powerful V8 engine of God in your life. We're the ones that can do that. God's not going to do that. But time with something builds our faith. Your faith will rise. That's why I think it's good to put the first part of the year... And dedicate that to God because it's it's, 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 telling, it's telling God, I'm giving you this time. But, but God's not like, I don't need your time to earn something for me. You need this time to set the order and set the course and trajectory of the rest of your years. Everybody with me? And again, so that's prayer. The fasting is the disconnect from God. Now fasting, this is one of the least known disciplines in the Word of God for Christians. But it's actually not considered scripturally an, an elite discipline. It's actually an elementary discipline. It's it's sad, but most people we don't we don't know a lot about it. Most most Christians look at fasting. I did. I did till I was like thirty five, which was just like a year ago, and uh, and uh, but I I remember I remember just thinking you know that is the deep end of the pool. Those people that, those people who fast, that is the deep end of the pool. I mean, that is the Obi-Wans of the world, you know what I mean, and and too much commitment, and, 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 if, you, and if you push on that, you know, you're going to get resistance. I beg to differ. I think it is so, so helpful, and if there's secrets inside this that are actually critical, and I hope you guys can get this as we go forward, but most people know something about prayer, but they don't know a lot about fasting. See, some people think fasting is a way to earn something with God. It's Actually how you align yourself better with God. Uh, some think it's some archaic uh, punitive practice. Fasting isn't about suffering. God doesn't want you to suffer, that's not what He's up to. He, he, it's, about, it's about overnourishing your spirit and undernourishing the other parts of your body. Fasting, in simplest terms, is He simply wants you to disconnect from the world. That's the simplest definition of fasting. Just disconnect from the world. And when you disconnect from the world, now don't turn around and then not connect with God. That's what makes it punitive. That's what makes it extremely painful. I've done it. And so a lot of people, and that's what makes it, by the way, religious. And then the fruit of that is ungodly. It's not godliness. Can I get an amen out there? So sometimes to, to get back that which we lost in the original, in the fall, but also in our own failures, we, in order to get back what we lost, we have to push away those things that cause us to lose our dominion, and then we invite new things to, to, to fuel us and nourish us again. So Because I believe that we're called as a church, that's why we do this as a church, to do great things in 2018. But I also think you as an individual are called to do great things as well. So don't just fast, please pray. And so we're going to start prayer meetings literally right away, okay? And so you've got an insert in your, in your worship guide. It's got a whole prayer schedule and how it's going to go for the next 21 days. And so from now until the 28th, we're going to have prayer and fasting. Not prayer and feasting, everybody, okay? That's another time. We'll do that another time. But this is prayer and fasting because we are trying to connect intimately with our God and regain our dominion and get back what we've lost. Last year was awesome, by the way, but I'm into starting a new year and having an awesome year this year. Last year, by the way, you know, we had more souls saved through Connect than any other time in, in, in our history as a church. Uh, God blessed us financially so we could be a blessing. We were able to give away more than we've ever given away. Uh, you know, uh, leaders being raised up, getting ready now. As you guys know, been preparing, uh, you know, to, to, to launch another campus on, on March 11th. Isn't that exciting? It's coming up really soon. Um, I just got notification. Some of you guys know some of the outreaches we did. Pastor John from Pakistan. By the way, he is here. I just want to declare that the tumor was removed. There was no cancer. He's back preaching again. He sent me a notification at the end of 2017 to say to Connect that through videos listen, primitive videos on TVs and homes 5,500 people came to Jesus Christ last year through Connect. Through Connect. Come on, somebody. That's incredible through video. And by the way, so we're going to be doing video more as a church. as It's part of kind of a, a, a culture thing. Where God, to use technology to reach more people. And that's the reason. It's not because it's cool or cozy or so the pastor can take a vacation more often or things like that. It's to reach more people. And, and it's interesting how in another part of the world, God can use a way less a technically perfect video, carry it into homes, and 5,000 people give their life to Jesus. And, so, and yet sometimes we can have a resistance to something like that in our, in our own culture. We saw throughout the movies many, many people come to Jesus Christ. And so I just want you to know that it's not the presence of man, it's the presence of God. And so we emphasize the presence of God and He's going to use it for His glory. Can I have an amen? Okay, and so we're going, to, we're going to, this year, we're going to get more connected to God and more disconnected from the world. Can we say that out loud? Just say, I'm going to get more connected to God and more disconnected from the world. So here, here's a biblical foundation for fasting, okay? It, um, and, and, yeah, is this it? Yeah. It says, Then John's disciples come. to to Jesus. And they say, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often? See the different type of fasting coming up here. They're like the religious fasting and there's a whole bunch of stuff in the New Testament on this. But your disciples don't fast. So Jesus is with his disciples and John's disciples come up and say hey, what's up with your guys, your boys, Jesus, don't fast like we do. And so Jesus says, uh, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn He's speaking figuratively about himself and the people. While he is with them, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. So, so first of all, he's dealing kind of with the religious thing, and he's also saying there's going to be a day when I'm not here. I will ascend. Jesus comes to earth, lives a sinless life, dies, resurrects, goes back to heaven. That's what he's talking about. When that happens, they will fast. So he's saying when then... When will we fast? Then. So we're in that era now. We are called clearly by Jesus to be a church Here's a biblical foundation for fasting. Amen? And here's a New Testament example of this. You can see this then begins to be practiced with the New Testament church. This is Acts chapter 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and what? Fasting. While they were worshiping the Lord and... Okay, good. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they fast for this release that's going to take place for these leaders. And after they had fasted and prayed, they do it again. They place their hands on them and sent them off. It was a New Testament practice to, before you make a major decision, before you send anybody out, it was always preceded by, it was normal christian discipline to pray and to fast is everybody with me okay and so everything they did was bathed in fasting and prayer here's one more example in second corinthians i think it's eleven twenty-seven. it says paul's talking about his own life his own experiences he says in weariness and toll in sleeplessness often i identify with you paul jesus help me in hunger and thirst and in fastings often should we do it a lot yeah often Fasting should be something. So for me, it's not just I'm really wanting to get better and better at this, where fasting becomes more normal. It's not just 21 days in the beginning of the year and then go the whole year. No, we need to recalibrate, reboot, because we are giving up, because we're connecting to the world again and we're disconnecting from God. We, We need to pull that back in with Jesus' solution of fasting and prayer. That's the solution to those things, amen? And so, so the, the overall, the problem is uh, loss of dominion is a connection problem. It's a connection problem. It's a connection problem. For you to understand this better, you need to understand you better. So you've heard me teach this, some of you, before. Let me review this with you. For you to understand fasting and prayer better, you've got to understand you better. So you're made up of Three parts. Three parts. Uh, you're a triune being, uh, as I said earlier in Genesis one. Let us make man in our image. Uh, we have, we serve and love a triune God. We are triune being as well, made in His image. We're the only creature on earth that is triune. Uh, most most things that are made are singular. There's just you, a tree. It's just just it's, just it's just it's just a body, a plant, things like that. Uh, and, and so there's there's just one part. It, it, animals are two parts. Animals, uh, you know, they have, a, they have a body, and then they have a soul, or they have a emo- soul meaning mind. They have emotions. They have emotions and feelings. How do you know that? Because the, look at a dog, the, the tail wags and the tail tucks, right? I mean, you, you know. They're, oh, I'm in trouble. You know, my dog, as soon as you started talking with a stern voice, tail tuck, tail tuck, right underneath there. If you came home, oh, you know, all excited, oh, tail tuck, you know what i mean and so so you know uh but but there're only two parts and this may be bad news for some of you but but they don't have a spirit and so 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 the follow up question always is So, are dogs going to go to heaven? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go to heaven because they don't have a spirit. I know for sure cats aren't going to heaven, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't send emails. I just have to do that for fun. Just a joke. All right. But, but we all have three parts, okay? And so, the part that we first talk about is the body. This is how we connect to ourselves. All right, and and this is the, the appetites, the the desires, the, the flesh part of us, the cravings, and and what we sometimes don't realize is the body. The scripture refers to it as the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the house of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know First Corinthians six? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, and and you know, I heard a joke. Some some people say, you know, if it's it's supposed to be a temple, but I've made it a megachurch. Nobody's, this is a tough crowd this morning, really, really tough crowd this morning. Okay, so, so that, that body part of us, you understand, now we have the soul. The, the word here is "suke in the Greek. This is not talking about your, your total soul. You have a body, uh, a mind and a body, a body, spirit, uh, body, soul, and spirit. But that word, the soul, has two definitions, and I'm, I'm getting bogged down in that. But there's soul, sud, sudzo, that means your, your whole soul was saved by Jesus. But then there's soul, suke, talking about your mind, your will, your emotions. So that's what I'm referring to here. It's, it's, I don't want to just say emotions because it's not just emotions. But this is how we connect to each other. This, this, is, this is a part of us that finds its, its value, finds its connection in what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is doing to me. So body is self-conscious, everybody tracking with me? Self, uh, uh, you know, uh, preserving, self-motivated. Soul, mind, emotions, will is looking this way to try to find their worth, their value, their connection. Okay? And, and so sometimes if your problem is in the appetites, then you probably need to fast in the area of the body more. That's why most people, a fast time of food is a good thing to do because we have a default or an excess toward that. If you're predisposed to give into your cravings, if you're predisposed, you can't make it a day without a cup of coffee. If you need sugar just to get through the morning, if you need whatever, Entenmann's Danish, or you can't even sleep at night, um, then you probably need to fast that, Derek. But if you can't make it through a couple of hours without getting on social media to figure out what everybody else is doing, then you probably need to fast that. You need to disconnect from that perversion, that excess, so that you can connect more, and, and then you turn around. You undernourish that, and you overnourish in this side in the Spirit, and that's getting stronger, stronger, and stronger. And before you know it, that takes jurisdiction. Is everybody tracking with me what's going on here? Okay, so the Spirit, this is how we connect to God. And the thing is, they're all at war with each other. It's, it's, uh, when I was a kid, we used to play this game called King of the Hill. It'll just be a dirt pile, and somebody get on the top of it, and everybody try to tear him down. And and we used to call it kill the kid too. It was another name. It's a little more primitive, but you didn't hear that here. Kill the kid. <laughs> this is terrible. That's ten year olds. I don't know. It's just like we just annihilate each other. But king of the hill. And so so you 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 try to keep you try to stay on top. But these three parts are at war with each other. And so the soul part of you, if you let that lead, if that's Being fed more, then it will. It it doesn't. It's like I don't care about the body. Forget the body. Forget the spirit. And what happens is that part of you will take over, and it will ultimately destroy you. People that live for that soulish realm, they can get depressed. They get depressed by comparison. They get depressed by lack of purpose. They get depressed by, you know, uh, you know relationships not working out the way they want to, blah, 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 all those kind of things. And so that part will destroy you. The body, same thing. Oh, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Well, before you know it, you can find yourself maybe wealthy but unhealthy. You can find yourself, I'm just going to sleep with whoever I want. Well, how's that working out for you? See, the body will try to destroy you if you let it rule. And so fasting disconnects that part and really connects to this part over here and puts spirit king of the hill put spirit at the top uh, of the food chain so to speak in your life is everybody tracking with me only when the spirit man is actually in charge do you really experience success only so how do you how do you know which one's the strongest how do you know uh, there was this this guy he 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 was in a dinner rack racer and he had these huskies ever seen these beautiful dogs and the dogs come up in the snow, and they look exactly alike. And he looks at them, and he says, you know, uh, beautiful dogs. Those, they, they look exactly the same. They are. He, he says, let me ask you a question. Uh, he was asking the, the kind of the master. Uh, um, and he, he says, which one of those dogs is the strongest? And you know what he said? Whichever one I feed the most. And you, you've got three dogs, so to speak, to this part how you're made. And so the one that's the strongest is the one that you feed the most, that's King of the Hill. John and Charles Wesley, some of the greatest men who changed the world, uh, they, they, they would tell all their disciples, we fast. they fasted two days, fasted and prayed two days a week because it was their regimen to keep the flesh under control. Dr. Bill Bright, one of the books and resources that were, were handed out if you wanted at the door on the way out, uh, he wrote Seven Steps to Successful Prayer and Fasting, this little book, and um, and it, it, fasting changed his life so much. By the way, he changed the world. Uh, he had 750,000 staff members in a Christian ministry. That'll, that'll tell you a little bit about him. Most people don't know who he is. I had the opportunity with my pastor to be in his home before he passed away. And he invested $1 million of his own money in research and development on the benefits of prayer and fasting. And so, this is a great book that if you guys want that, you can take that on your way out the door. So, here, let's talk about that part of it. Let's talk about how I could be successful. By the way, fasting and prayer strengthens the spirit man and weakens the body. I've already said that. So how can I be successful in fasting? Because, Pastor D, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. And, and, if, and if you're a skeptic about this, I would just say try it. Just try it. Just try it. But in order to be successful, you gotta have, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to set an objective. Okay, so just take it from somebody who has failed more times than not. In other words, I want to do 21 pr- days of prayer and fasting. Or I want to do three, or I want to do seven. By the way, 21 is a pattern that we see in the Bible in Daniel chapter 10, verse 3. We see it in other places as well. Uh, it's a kind of a spiritual pattern or number, but we also know it scientifically. We also we have data to support that sometimes there's a certain number of days it takes to establish a habit. And good habits precede good character, right? First we form habits, then habits form us. And so 21 days is a really solid thing. But a lot of people have a hard time uh, doing it in the physical realm, doing it in the emotional realm. And I would say if you want to be more successful in those realms, make the spirit man stronger, Make the spirit man stronger. In fact, this whole triune thing, if you read Romans 8, a powerful scripture uh, about the spirit-led living, it's gonna tell you when the spirit rules, you don't answer to the, the body. You don't answer to the spirit anymore, but you have to learn how to feed that spirit part of you. And when you do, and you disconnect from those other parts, you will be extremely, extremely successful. So you have to set an objective. For me, my objective is to start the year declaring my dependence on God. Just start your year out and just, you know, I have a journal and I, and I journal, uh Infrequently, to be honest with you, I try to do it all the time, but I really do a good job on fasting periods uh, because i 'm just i 'm I'm, I'm much more uh, structured and, and I, I sometimes when the fast ends, I go, "Why did I stop you know and so th- but it, but it does reset you it reboots you it, it but I like to start right okay what 's my objective i 'm declaring my dependence upon God this fasting period is like just like I tithe with my finances twenty six years faithfully, I want to tithe the first part of my evening And so this is something that we've been teaching and doing for over a decade in this church. Ev- I look back at, at, at my the messages I've done over the last decade. Every single year I teach on prayer and fasting. I've tried to equip and train the church so that we can be successful. I personally believe a lot of the protection and favor that we've experienced as a ministry is directly connected to these 21-day periods of prayer and fasting. Can I get an amen from somebody who's been around a while? Okay, so set an objective. Second, th- second thing we do is we ask God for forgiveness. All right? Why? Well, before I even get into why, just think about it. The last quarter, let's just say the last month, was the most indulgent time of body and soul of any other time of the year. Right? I don't know about you, but I got a lot of stuff to kind of like clean up a little bit, okay? So this is referring more to the purification of your heart, your mindset, uh, your attitudes, and I think we all need some of this. It's also repenting for some of the abuse of the body as well. You know, I went out to eat so many times in December. I just, I just thought, in my head, I just thought, I can't insult the cook, yes, you know what I mean? So I just said, yes, yeah, I'll, t- I'll have another one. Yeah, sure. Okay, would you like, an- sure, I'll have an appetizer. Would you like dessert? Yes, sure. I just didn't want to insult anybody, you know what I mean? I was on a seafood diet. You know, I see food, I eat it. And so I heard about one guy. I went to the doctor and said, how's my weight? And the doctor said, it's good, it's good. You're just 11 feet too short. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a time of uh this is a time of purification okay purification and cleansing acts 319 says repent so the times of refreshing can come this is where i get back to like reset ground zero is everybody tracking with me so you ask for forgiveness here's, here's the third thing okay what happened there oh uh, sorry sorry here we go here we go refocus on things that matter So, how how do I say this without saying things? Um, Try to listen to what I'm saying. We have a tendency in our culture, especially sometimes in the winter, to be especially on days like Sundays and Mondays, to really focus on certain things of pleasure that we can watch. Is anybody filling in the blanks for me right now? In other words, I'm all for that. I like, I like, I like it. I like football. Okay, uh, there's, there's, there's hobbies, interests, all those kind of things. Some, some of you are into certain things, and it's all about that. When I, when I say it's all about that, I mean it's all about that. Uh, you sit down, and you listen in the conversation, you can't stop talking about it. And I would just say to you, life is not all about that. And so we need to reset on things that really matter. You know what really matters to God? People. So when I go to the gym, which I love to go to the gym, I love, my wife, I've been asking God to use me to be a greater witness and evangelist in my, in, in, in my hobbies. Like, subordinate my hobby to People. To people, so and he's using that, and it's awesome when that kind of thing happens. But it's all about people because your life is short; it's a vapor, it's a mist. I'm going to be fifty this year, and I want and praise the Lord. You guys are like, that's amazing. He looks like forty, and so, but I want to make the most. What if I'm halfway? What if I'm over halfway? I I need to make the most of my life because life is not a dress rehearsal; it's a one-time real show. And 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 just last year, I was praying, and 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 God was. I was reflecting and I was like celebrating all these wins and celebrating all these victories. And God said to me, You're not done yet, son. That was his word for me going into the new year. You're not done yet. You know, so in other words, you have a lot more to do. And I just, I just felt that. That meant I got to get stronger. I got to get back. I got to regain dominion over my life. I got to focus on things that matter. Here's the next one. Everybody getting something out of this? Invite the presence of God into your life. When's the last time you experienced the tangible presence of God in your life? Fundamentally, this is about getting closer to God. This is what this is what I, I could. If I stay here long, I'll start to cry because I miss I miss pieces of that. I miss some of that. Okay, so here's here's the next thing. I'm gonna move on. Hopefully, you guys get that. That will just transfer miraculously. Number five: Believe God to answer the specific needs you have. The spec- we always say specific requests produce specific results, but don't start at number five, everybody. This is our problem. This is why we don't get through the obstacles, the problems and situations, because sometimes we, when we finally do pray and fast, we start here. I'm telling you to start way up here in your prayer and fasting time. Is everybody tracking with me? All right, moving right along. Number six, decide what type of fast you're going to do. So there's all different types of fasting um, in the Bible. Um, The book that we have to hand out, will give you more instruction on that. We have a brief synopsis on our website about this as well, or you can speak to one of the staff, pastors, or leaders to help you with this so you can be successful with this. Remember, it's not focused on punitive. It's focused really on purity, which leads to power. It's, it's detoxing from this and it's connecting to this. It's disconnecting from the world and connecting more to God. You do that by fasting to disconnect and prayer to connect to God. So the Bible has different types of fast. One of them is a supernatural fast. I don't recommend that. It's 40 days without food or water. Jesus and Moses did that in the scriptures. Nobody else did that, so I'm pretty sure none of y'all can do that. Then you have total fast, okay? And so that's just like water. A lot of people do this—just, just no food, just water. Uh, my dad's done that for 21 days multiple times. I, it's, it's amazing that that's even that that people do that. I've never done it that long. I've probably gone a little over two, almost two thirds of that before. I will say this: it was the best I ever felt spiritually in my entire life, because you just. I don't know how to explain it. You're just so tuned in. The frequency to you and God, to you and your spirit is unbelievable. A non-total fast is just juices um, and maybe specific foods. And then you have a nothing pleasant fast, sometimes referred to as the Daniel fast. Uh, That's really about fruits and vegetables, and they call it pulse and things like that. Um, I, I, I recommend that during the fast you do something in the physical realm. Definitely do something with detoxing your body. Most people never go more than 24 hours without food in their entire life. And so you got to consult your doctor if you got blood sugar issues. If you got, there's a lot of health things you got to consider. I understand if you are medications, you got to be careful. But I do think there, there is tremendous health benefits to a period of detoxification. Again, talk to some other people and, and research that. Uh, go to Godly Council, not just Google, and you'll find out some good stuff about that. But uh, I, I like to have a juicing period, like a fresh juice, not like, you know, Hawaiian Punch, everybody off the counters. That's, here, here's the principle. Dead foods, dead bodies. Living foods, living bodies. So find living foods. Take more of those and get rid of the dead foods and your body will come alive and all the deadness will go away. And, and juices, you can have fresh juices instead of just water. So you get the nutritional value you need, but you're also having the detoxification benefits uh, that you would of just doing, uh, just doing a water fast. I would also recommend, like I said earlier, sometimes you need a soul fast. And so uh, you, I do combinations. I do physical and kind of the soul side of things, and so there's certain activities that I won't do, certain things that I reduce, you know, you might have to do this for you, TV, Netflix, you know, mu- certain kinds of music. Amazing sometimes the music I find myself listening to because I'm a gym rat, and here I am a pastor, I'm like listening to this stuff, and I'm just going, what is going into my head right now? You know, no judgment, but it's sometimes like, hello, you think that might be affecting, then I come home and I'm like, honey, want to fight? Um, and so I don't know, I don't know, why. I don't know why, I don't know why it happens, you know what I mean? Testo I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, you know, and she's like, you need a fast. Okay. Oh, one more thing. Sometimes before you go into a fast hardcore, so you're successful, this is just me. You don't have to, you may be strong-willed at this, but have like a pre-fast or like grease the skids for that. So start pulling the caffeine out, you know, a little bit. Pull the sugar back. And before you go all in, especially if it's in the physical realm, if it's in the soul realm, I just cut it. (laughs) Anyway, it's free. Okay. Last one um, is expect results. Expect results all right? And, um, and, and let me just say, I'm going to read from Isaiah. are is three benefits if you do a fast like this. This is Isaiah 58, verses 8 and 9. It says there are these three thens. When you fast like this, then this is what's going to happen. Isaiah 58, 8, it says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing. Everybody say healing. So the promise of God's word is whatever's broken, whatever needs to be fixed, uh, whatever relationship's not working, whatever's going on in your life, God promises when you fast, like this whole chapter, Isaiah 58, is about fasting. But I'm just highlighting these two verses. When you do it this way, then healing will come. Uh, Then it says it will quickly appear. Then your righteousness, everybody say righteousness. That's fundamentally believing you're back on track. You're back set right. Right? You're walking in holiness. It's a word that misunderstood. Holiness just means you've set apart. You're set apart. You're not living like everyone else You're, you're so that you can live like no one else. You're not living like everyone else so you can live like no one else. You're, you're walking in holiness again. And, and, and you're living on purpose again. We'll go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your, be your guard. Third then. Then you will call and the Lord will what? He will answer. Everybody say answer. So you're, when you go to God, you can find help in your time of need. So it's kind of three things that we get from God when we fast right. We get healing, holiness, we're set right again. Healing, whatever the problem is, holiness, we're set right again. We're back on track again, and we get help. you you got a, you got a question, I've got an answer. You've got a problem, I've got a solution. You, you need me, I'm there to help you. Can I have an amen? Why don't you stand on your feet and let me pray for you. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And just as you're uh, putting your stuff away, if you would just close your eyes and uh, look at your own heart, and we're going to pray in just a minute. Let's just set our hearts right. Father God, for every person uh, that's in this room, that's within the sound of my voice, that's listening online or here in person, I pray, God, that you would set their hearts right. That they would they would they would focus on you 110% this year. They give you the first part of this year. They would literally tie the first part of this year. I invite them, Lord, with your um, with your bidding, with your goading to come into a season of connection with God and disconnect from the world. And if you know that that's something that that God is speaking to you about where you you want to. You want to start this year right and you want to disconnect from the world and you want to connect more to God if that's you would you just acknowledge that by raising your hand and say that's me that's me I need to do that I need to do that come on come on praise the lord praise the lord keep your hands up let's just do this let's just invite the holy spirit I'm going to close with this prayer Father for every person you see their hands you see their hands and you see their hearts and I pray lord Jesus that this would be the most powerful year of their entire lives because they're disconnecting from the world But they're turning around and they're connecting to God like never before. I pray that this season of prayer and fasting would be so powerful, that you would work on your people individually and that you would work on your church corporately in Jesus' mighty matchless name. And everybody said amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap all over the room. God bless you guys.